A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. For creation was made subject to futility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains even until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we also groan within ourselves as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope. For who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. The word of the Lord. The Lord has done marvels for us. When the Lord brought back the captives of Zion, we were like men dreaming. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with rejoicing. Then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad indeed. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the torrents in the southern desert. Those that sow in tears shall reap rejoicing. Although they go forth weeping, carrying the seed to be sown, they shall come back rejoicing, carrying their sheaves. Dominus Fobiscum. Exil Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. Jesus said, What is the kingdom of God like? 
to what can I compare it? It is like a mustard seed that a man took and planted in the garden. When it was fully grown, it became a large bush, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches. Again, he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of wheat flour until the whole batch of dough was leavened. Verbum Domini. The Russian author Leo Tolstoy is considered by many one of the greatest authors of all time. And his youngest daughter, Alexandria, said that one time her father was asked if he considered his novel, War and Peace, the greatest of his works, which many considered this is perhaps the greatest novel of all time. And she said that he replied, no, but rather it was a short story that he had written, which is entitled Martin the Cobbler. And this short story, he said, is something that moves the heart and the mind. That's why he considered it one of his greatest works, or one that was most important to him, one that he was most proud of have written, Martin the Cobbler. And perhaps you've seen the claimation that we sometimes air at Christmas time of Martin the Cobbler, this 30-minute claimation of this short story of Leo Tolstoy. And what this story tells is of this man who was a talented cobbler, and he had his home and his workplace in a basement with just one window. And this one window looked out on the street, and all he could see were people's feet. But because he had worked on almost everybody's shoes in that village, he knew this was so-and-so and this was so-and-so as they walked by because he recognized those shoes that he had worked on. But this story relates how he had had a lot of tragedy in his life. His wife had died, his children had died in infancy, including a three-year-old boy that was just so dear to him that he had thought at one time of sending, her, sending him rather to his sister for her to take care of, but rather he decided rather to take care of the boy himself, and that boy ended up contracting a fever and dying. And so Martin denied God. How could God allow all of this evil in my life? Does he care? Seems like he doesn't care. But then he is visited by a missionary. And this missionary tells him, as Martin is relating the grief in his life, he tells him that he should live his life for God. 
And he gives him a Bible. And he begins to read it. First just on holidays, but then in the evening, he'd begin to read every night. And he begins to feel this joy and this peace. And then he reads this account of the Pharisee. You remember the Pharisee who welcomed the Lord, but he didn't really welcome him. But this woman washes the Lord's feet with her tears and wipes them with her hair. And Jesus said, Simon, you didn't uh, welcome me. And Martin realizes this was him. He was a Pharisee. He never really welcomed the Lord. And so <clears throat> that night he has a dream in which God says, I will visit you tomorrow. So all day he's looking out the window. Is God coming? Is that God? And he sees a friend of his, Stepanich, who's shoveling and he's freezing from the cold. He says, Stepanich, come on in, come on in. He gives him something warm to drink. And he tells him about the story of the Pharisee. And Stepanich is moved to tears. And he says, you gave me food for both my body and my soul. And then again, he's looking, is God coming? And he sees this woman with an infant who doesn't have enough clothing for the cold, invites her in, gives her some of the clothing of his wife so that she could be better protected from, from the cold. And then lastly, he sees an argument breaking out between a little boy and an older woman because he had tried to steal an apple from her. And he reconciles them. And now the dusk is coming. And he says, well, where was God? Why didn't God visit me? And that night, God reveals to him that he had three times. And that he had been welcomed by Martin those three times. And Stepanich and this woman with her infant in reconciling this uh, older woman and this boy. And so it's a beautiful story that Leo considered one of his greatest works, the one that he was so proud of. And I know that many deny God because of the sufferings in their lives. We receive letters and voicemail, or you call here, you write. And most of you have different sufferings that you're bearing. You're asking us to pray for, and we do. We put all of those here in the chapel. They're on the other side. And we consider them very important to our prayers. That's why every Mass that we offer here is offered for those intentions and for you who are our viewers and our listeners, for your particular struggles and sufferings, whatever source they may be, and there are many whether it's family difficulties or children, grandchildren who aren't living as they ought, or tragedies, the loss of a loved one unexpectedly. We have these sufferings. And a temptation can be, well, God doesn't exist. If there's evil then, and God is good, then, then he mustn't exist. And St. Paul gives us the answer to that question in today's reading from Romans chapter 8. And I would encourage you because the next two days, because of All Saints Day and All Souls Day, 
we're going to miss two really beautiful parts of Romans chapter 8, but you don't have to. You've got a Bible. Read the whole of Romans chapter 8. It will encourage you. And so what does St. Paul say here in the beginning of today's first reading? I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. He doesn't say, I consider the sufferings of the present to be of little, no, very little, very small. He says, I consider them to be nothing, nothing compared with the glory that's going to be revealed in us. And St. Faustina had a vision of heaven one time, and she saw people walking through the trials of this life and falling and the hardships and the pain. And, and when they arrived at the gates of heaven, they completely forgot it. It was over. And the glory was just so great that they were now embraced into. It's really a confirmation of what St. Paul wrote. Yes, we have sufferings in this life. And what did we hear yesterday at the end of the reading yesterday? He said that our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. We're no longer slaves of fear, but we're adopted. And our spirits cry out, Abba, Father. We are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If only we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. So it is in suffering with him, with Jesus, who suffered for love of us. And we suffer, we offer our sufferings for love of him who came so that we could inherit heaven, so that we could have the Spirit of God within us. And St. Paul, in today's reading, he continues that we're waiting, we're groaning. We're waiting and we're groaning. He repeats that a couple of times. All creation's groaning. It's waiting. We ourselves, we're waiting, we're groaning. But he says it's with hope. It's with hope. Hope because of the glory that's going to be given to us. For we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. In hope we were saved. Because God keeps his promises. He's promised to prepare a place for us. There is a place prepared for us. And think of God preparing that place for you. And St. Paul in tomorrow's reading, would we still be in ordinary time, but we have all saints, thankfully. But here's what tomorrow's reading would have been. The Spirit comes to our aid in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with inexpressible groanings. And then, so the Spirit, too, joins this chorus of our groanings, praying for us, interceding, because we don't know how to pray as we ought. In the midst of our trials and sufferings, it causes confusion and 
and disappointment and hurt and questioning. The Spirit is there to help us in our weakness with groanings that can't be expressed in speech, interceding for us. And then tomorrow's reading says we, we know that all things work for good for those who love God. That's a good passage to hold on to, Romans 8.28. We know that all things work for good for those who love God. You know, God's in control of history. We feel like we're being engulfed by evil. God's not surprised. He's not taken by surprise. He's not ignorant. He's in control of history. And he's steering things toward a glorious end. And one of the things that can point to that is in the Old Testament story of Joseph. And you remember Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery, into Egypt, put into prison. Where's God? And then he becomes the second in command in Egypt. And he sees that there's a stockpile of grain because there's going to be a famine. And his brothers come and his family is saved because of the first evil thing that was done to him was turned to good. And here's how he concludes in, in Joseph's words to his brothers in Genesis chapter 50. Even though you meant harm to me, God meant it for good to achieve this present end the survival of many peoples. God is in control of history. He's steering all things ultimately toward glory. For those who love him, all things will work toward the good. And how does Romans 8.28 conclude? He says, well, if God's for us, then who can be against us? Who can separate me from the love of Christ? Trial, distress, persecution, hunger, danger of the sword. But in all this, we are more than conquerors because of him who has loved us. Read Romans 8 today. It will encourage you in your own sufferings. It will remind you that, yes, we have sufferings, and sometimes they are really intense, really tragic, really heartbreaking. But that's not the end of the story. If God has loved us, who can be against us? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? I consider the sufferings as nothing compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. That's why Leo Tolstoy said, no, this was the most important work because it was a reminder of that truth. It was something that would move hearts and minds to greater confidence in God and greater desire to live for God now, here and now, to live for God as he comes to us, as he visits us in the particular needs that come to us that in some way we can alleviate that suffering at least a little bit. That's why we pray for you. That's why we put the intentions here so that you too might have hope in God. No matter what may come, we wait, we groan, but we hope. Because ultimately, the end of the story 
is glory. 